Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Today is April 20th, or 420. So we're taking today to talk about all things marijuana. For this special strain of Reset, we ditch the studio for a live broadcast from Urban Produce in the East Garfield Park neighborhood. And we dug into Illinois' cannabis industry. Now, back in 2019, when Illinois legalized recreational marijuana, supporters saw it as a golden ticket, a chance to build up the state's empty coffers, balance the budget, and help create jobs in a new industry. On top of that, state lawmakers lauded how progressive the system would be. They promised that licenses and revenue would go back into the black and brown communities that had been hit hardest by the war on drugs. So two years later, has Illinois lived up to the promises and goals that it once made? Who's cashing in on this business? And who's being left behind? Well, for answers, we turn to reporter Tom Shuba, who covers cannabis for the Chicago Sun-Times. I first asked him to take us back to when the state began its push to legalize marijuana and what promises were being made back then. Well, kind of as you mentioned, the biggest promise was that people who had been harmed or affected by the drug war would would benefit from legalization, you know. And the idea was to create uh, kind of this host of new cannabis licenses for growing, selling, infusing, transporting, etc., and to prioritize them for kind of a, a group of people that were defined as social equity applicants, which was a, a designation that didn't specifically take into account race, um, but it s- did seek to diversify the state's weed industry, which is overwhelmingly what still to this day. Yeah. And that's common throughout the country. Um, so Yeah, and we'll get into the social equity applicants in, in just a moment, but uh, I want to start with revenue, because it's all about the money, as we know. Uh, The cannabis industry seems like it's been a pretty lucrative one for this state, but has it met the expectations that supporters of legalization touted back in 2019? Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, the first year Pritzker set a goal of $28 million in revenue. And um, I did an analysis near the end of last year, so the first two years of cannabis revenues, and I found uh, the state had raised $560 million in revenues. So that's a huge, huge amount of money. And that, that comes from a traditional sales tax, and then it also comes from this special excise tax, which there's a lot of complaints about the prices in cannabis and the taxes heaped on cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's between 10 and 25%, depending on the product. How, how is Illinois' uh, tax revenue distributed? So that excise tax, it's interesting because, uh, so 2% uh, goes to public education and safety campaigns, 8% goes to local governments, 10% goes to uh, the state's bill backlog, uh, 20% goes to mental health and substance abuse treatment services, uh, 25% goes to a program called the R3 program, which is uh, a grant-based program that looks to address uh, disinvestment, violence, uh, drug warrior policies that kind of affected mostly minority communities, and then the rest goes to the general revenue fund. So when it came to legalizing, there was a lot of push on the equity piece, right, which you talked about a moment ago, and uh, this restorative justice front. 
in a few minutes, we're actually going to hear from a couple of folks who applied for what the state was calling you know, these social equity licenses. But explain to us what those licenses are, Tom. Okay. Um, well, they're licenses to operate marijuana, uh, either dispensaries, cultivation centers, infusion, uh, uh, basically facilities or uh, transportation operations to take marijuana different places legally within the state. And um, so the, the definition of social equity has been a, a, a big issue, right? So when they, uh, they came out and uh, they said, okay, well, we're prioritizing these licenses to social equity applicants. So the question was, well, what is a social equity applicant, right? right. How do you um, get these extra applications? Yeah, who's points? eligible? Right. So you could live in an area, uh, a Bureau of Labor Statistics region that was deemed disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs, or you could have a past cannabis-related offense on your record or have a family member who does. But then there was one other uh, way to qualify, and that became highly controversial. And some social equity advocates... Uh, started calling it the slave master clause. Essentially, a, a person, and effectively a white person, could start a startup company, hire a staff of at least 10 people, and over half of them had to qualify as social equity applicants. So you didn't have to be social equity. You had to hire a staff that was social equity. And in a lot of cases, these were companies that had no business, right? because they were just being started Claiming to win these equity. licenses. Right, right. And so as this whole uh, saga has unfolded, right, there was a huge pushback uh, in 2020 when there was an announcement of the finalists for this first batch of 75 dispensary licenses. And what we found at the Sun-Times was there was a lot of clouded people, a lot of people connected to the uh, you know, existing industry, and that, you know, 21, there was hundreds of applicants for this. So there was a lot of people left out. There were protests. There were, uh, you know, claims of mishandling of the application process. Mm -hmm. uh, Pritzker wound up doing a redo. But at the same time, uh, State Representative LaShawn Ford went ahead and worked with a group of social equity applicants to create more licenses to account for people who may have been left behind by what appeared to be a screw-up. And uh, in doing that, they created 110 new licenses, and 55 stripped out that clause that was so controversial. Yeah. Um, wow. And, and so, effectively changed the definition. So right now, how many applications are tied up in court? There's 185 dispensary licenses tied up in court right now. All of those licenses, the 75 and the other 110, are all held up by a judge's order in Cook County uh, related to one of many lawsuits that have, uh, you know, emerged. So from what you know from your reporting so far in the last two years, has Illinois kept any of its promises of social equity? Yeah, because they did get out. It's a bit complicated, but they did get out the licenses for cultivation and infusion and transportation, right? So those licenses have been issued, but you know, those folks are facing a real uphill battle still. Um, cultivation centers are incredibly hard to get online. They're incredibly costly. Marijuana is a tough plant to grow, and it's my understanding that, you know, none of those new grows have, you know, come to harvest, have actually grown product to sell on the market. And then you have issues with the transportation license holders 
because the existing growers all got transportation licenses too, which means there's no work for the new transportation license workers to do. And there was a push in Springfield this last session to allow them to like deliver, make home deliveries to people right. that didn't go anywhere. And it was basically aimed at like, hey, give these folks something to do. And infusion licenses, I understand it's the same issue. They're having problems sourcing product from the big dogs because the big dogs are using their own product. Yeah. Tom, I want to play a clip here. It's from June 2019. This was on the day that Governor Pritzker signed the bill to, uh, to legalize recreational marijuana into law. And this is actually what then-State Senator Heather Staines, who's the chief sponsor of the bill, had to say. We don't see the diversity of Illinois reflected in the cannabis industry. And so we have taken a lot of measures here to try to ensure that we actually do put in place an industry that is reflective of the state of Illinois and tools to help make sure we get there. I think we're going to become the model legislation now setting the gold standard for how this needs to be done in the future. And we're already seeing us getting picked up by other states and, how, and looking at how we're going to actually get it passed in our states. So I am very delighted to see that we, I think, come year two, three from now, we're going to see a very different cannabis industry here in the state of Illinois. She says, setting the gold standard for how this looks in the country. Of course, hindsight's 2020, but you know, what are your thoughts hearing that clip now, two years later? Well, it's clearly not the gold standard, but it did, uh, I think, set a precedent for uh, you know embedding provisions like this into uh, legalization laws. Uh, I think that you know, the lead sponsors of this bill, whether it was Senator Staines or Representative Cassidy or the governor, were all really well-intentioned. These cannabis legislation is complex, it's tricky, and um, obviously they, they uh, you know, made some mistakes in defining and rolling this out. But social equity in cannabis has become this buzzword, you know, and uh, it's kind of, if any state is moving to legalize, it kind of has to be part of it now, post-Illinois. Yeah. And it's to the point that, uh, you know, South Park lampooned the idea of social equity and cannabis just in recent months. Like, it's part of the zeitgeist now. And in a way, it's something that's uh, kind of joked about because of how some of this has rolled out, you know. What are you hearing from folks whose license applications are still stalled or the ones that are still tied up in court? Are, are they hopeful that things will work or have some of them just given up? It's such a mixed bag. Um, you know, some folks I speak to say, I have a deal in principle to sell my license because I'm not at the pl same place where I was years ago where I want to operate a retail business right now. I'd rather uh, sell while the market is hot and make what I can off this. Um, other folks who I've followed through this process, one in particular, uh, has, you know, gotten to this spat with his partners and is, is, you know, fighting to keep his stake of the company. So there's infighting there's, among the social equity actors. There's a lot of infighting, uh, yeah, and there's a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff happening over who's really in control of this, who's, who has what stake now that it's, you know, coming to fruition. Um, and then I think you have people who are just excited to, you know, have finally have the opportunity that they've kind of fought for. But, yeah, it's, uh, I think there's a lot of different experiences right now. We've got a question from our audience here, a question from Cliff Muhammad, who is a, a special equity applicant uh, from Cannabis Chicago. Uh, Cliff asks, how will we see 
where the winning special equity profits really end up? That's a good question. Um, so there's, there's a lot of concern, and probably for good reason, that um, there are a lot of social equity groups that are backed by um, existing operators in the cannabis space, right? And there's a lot of concern that these are ostensibly front companies. Um, so I think we'll have to kind of see as they get licenses we'll and, and who, you know, there's uh, some effort on the state level, I think, to uh, be more transparent about ownership in these businesses. But, um, you know, who knows if you may go, th these things happen all the time. There's really, in cannabis, there's a lot of these kind of shell LLC companies where, you know, mm. you see who really owns these things and it's, uh, but it's kind of a shell game. We've been talking a lot about who hasn't been able to gain access to the industry, but who has? Talk to us about that. I mean, Illinois made more than $2 billion, billion with a B, right. dollars in just over two years from this tax. So who is getting a piece of that pie? Yeah. So you kind of have to go back to the start of the medical industry um, to understand who's benefiting right now. Because there was kind of this cadre of companies that were, were smart enough to know if we go and we get these licenses and we establish our facilities and our businesses, eventually they're gonna legalize for recreational use and we're gonna have a real market to profit in. Yeah. And so companies like Green Thumb Industries, Cresco Labs, uh, Verano Holdings, these are companies that have deep ties to Chicago and to the start of the medical industry. And they've been able to grow into some of the biggest weed companies in the world through that strategy of uh, early entry to a medical market mm -hmm. and then kind of waiting. And you, you have to take losses, you know, because in the, like in Illinois, for a long time under Rauner, no one could really get medical marijuana. The like, qualifying conditions were really limited. So you're kind of just sitting on these mm -hmm. facilities waiting for the day. And those are the companies that are really cashing in, as well as other major companies that are buying into Illinois now. And they're buying a stake in the industry. As you mentioned me medical marijuana, I've got another question from the audience. And I, I don't know if you'll have the answer to this, Tom, but I'll ask you anyway. It's from Susan Arup. And uh, Susan asks, is it possible for you to get a medical marijuana card in Illinois that would work in other states? Uh, no, because uh, all marijuana programs are siloed into states because it's federally illegal. Um, so, you know, yeah. everything, you couldn't even, you know, even though you can't legally take weed to Indiana, you can't legally take weed across the border right. because it's federally legal. So it's the same thing. You couldn't go into a Michigan dispensary and show them an Illinois medical card. Same idea. From my understanding, yeah. A recent NBC analysis looked at the 11 states that collected tax revenue from recreational cannabis last year and how they spend their revenue. Of those 11, only four spent revenue on social equity or restorative justice programs in their state. And of those four, Illinois actually spent the most in this area. So some promises may have been kept, you think, on that front? Yeah, I, 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 I did get to dive into the R3 program, which is that grant program, and it's fascinating 
uh, and, and, and really encouraging the ways that that money is being used. And I spoke to people who've benefited from it. One interesting thing that they did last summer uh, at the behest of the governor was to do a special funding round to address summer violence. And they resourced um, a lot of important organizations in Chicago, specifically, uh, who may not have gotten money to do the work they were doing. Uh, I spoke to one guy uh, who typically runs a boxing gym, but he took the money and he basically did it to hold round tables and do gang intervention. Okay. And, um, yeah, I think that and also, you know, going after mental health and drug treatment, you know, and, and making sure that that stuff has resources is really important right now, especially amid the pandemic when those things have kind of been depleted. I can only imagine some of the things you've seen. I know this being a journalist for, for years. There aren't a lot of local journalists whose main beat is to cover cannabis. What's the last couple of years been like from your perspective? Oh, it's it's been a bit of a roller coaster, that's for sure. Um, because there was so much enthusiasm behind it, you know. And as a reporter, it was so fun um, because the legislation was kind of changing, and it's like, well, what's really going to be in here? And you're following it, and there's all this enthusiasm about, oh, they're finally going to do it, and it's going to be. And then legalization day was this wild kind of fever dream for mm -hmm. me, running around all these different dispensaries and. Um, but then the, you know, what, what hit was, you know, that there's just been this gridlock and this, you know, sense of sadness about, you know, the promise wasn't met and that's, you know, left people in this rough situation kind of fighting and, and it hasn't ended for years now. Hmm. So it went up and... Went right back down for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I think hopefully there will be one a day when, you know, I think when they release those licenses eventually, that's going to be probably better than legalization day for me because you're, the face of the industry is going to change and, uh, you know, the Davids will finally have the piece of paper they need to yes. take on the Goliaths, you know. So what are you paying attention to then as, as we move forward? You've been covering this for a while. What do you want to see happen next? These well, the, the biggest things are these lawsuits that are pending. So yeah. there's um, the one that's holding up the issuance of the license and licenses in Cook County is basically a challenge that additional points granted to military veterans created a, a, a special class and uh, made the licensing process unfair. And then you have another case in Cook County that's essentially a super case that was consolidated by the Supreme Court. Um, that will likely lead to um, a simulated lottery to give some of these folks a chance at licenses, additional licenses. And the prospect is that the case holding up the licenses could be merged with that one, but the stay would be converted into that one. I see. But then you have another issue in federal court, uh, a, a case where there's a challenge over uh, residency requirements, calling that unconstitutional. Um, which could have its mm -hmm. own effect on the whole process. So it's kind of just fairly convoluted yeah. <laughs> legal stuff oh that we're gosh. watching. Very complicated stuff that you've got to break down every day. Before I let you go, Tom, I'm going to give you one last question from our audience. Joanna wants to know, are there any states that are providing a template for handling the equity issue well that we can learn from? 
From what I understand, there's promise in New York. People have told me that uh, New York appears to be uh, a better system, but I, who knows who what, knows, what yeah. cracks in the boat could emerge, so I, I really don't know. That's Tom Shuba, cannabis reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. Tom, thank you so much for coming out and chatting with us. Thank you for having me. That's it for today's Reset. A special thank you to Alicia Nesbury-Moore and the Urban Produce team for hosting our live broadcast today. And to all the guests and friendly faces who joined us. Now you can listen back to our full two-hour show at wbez.org slash reset. For more conversations about Chicago politics, news, and entertainment, subscribe to this podcast and please give us a rating. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening and you can catch us back here tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.